Hi, this is Robert from Generally Cultured. We're doing something new. Instead of one-off episodes, Josh and I will be taking deeper dives into some of our culture's biggest questions. Each season will focus around a larger topic, with each episode hopefully peeling back one layer at a time. Season one will focus around a topic near and dear to our hearts, faith in America. We hope you enjoy. Episode one, setting the stage. Hi, you're listening to Generally Cultured. I'm Robert. And I'm Josh. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to start something out uh, a little bit new. Uh, we're going to do some series uh, or seasons of episodes. And this first one we're really excited about. We're going to talk about the state of religious life in America. We'll start off and talking about the, the incline and decline of religiosity in America um, and the state of the American church. Now we're going to throw a lot of statistics at you right at the very beginning just to kind of get your mind thinking about this. Um, a lot of them are not new. You've probably heard of them. But this kind of gives us a little, gives us a, a starting point. Um, there's a lot of uh, information out there by, done by the Pew Research Center, Gallup Poll, uh, the Washington Post has done a lot of things, interesting enough. And I wanted to start out with a, a recent survey actually done just a couple of months ago. It was published in the Washington Post in April of, uh, April 15th, 2019. Uh, and it's called, the article is called, Organized Religion is Losing Its Followers. Very, very ominous. Mm-hmm. And, and it talks about a long-going general social survey that found something striking. For the first time, those who identify as non-religious or nuns, as they call them, are, are out-polling that of any other uh, particular religion. So 23.1% of Americans identify as no religion or identify with no religion. 23% Catholic, 22.5% Evangelical Christians. Interesting that they just barely edged out uh, Catholics. I think, and that is the first time in American history that that's happened. Um, nothing. I don't think it's anything to be particularly or to have a particular alarm over. Uh, but it is interesting to think about that in how, uh, especially since that religious, um, religious devotion uh, and religious, uh, well, just devotion in general has been such a huge part of American culture and I think individuals' lives. Uh, for comparison, and this is where it gets interesting. I, um, I've only been alive for 27 years, so that's all I can I can talk to. But for comparison, in 1972, only 5% identified as uh, with no religion. That's wild. That is, it really is. It's 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 surprising. I, fought only 5% in 1972, and that's af- that's right after the 60s revolution. And so it's interesting to see. Okay. Well, when did that change? And they, they identify it as starting to change in the early 1990s. So starting in 1991, um, since 1991 till today, the rise of the nuns, and we'll get into the definition of that, um, has grown by 260% yeah. in, in our nation. It's so crazy when you think about those numbers that you know back in the 1970s, you could only get 5% of people to poll and say, Oh, I don't have any sort of religious belief to now where it's the dominant answer has a lot of sort of consequences and um, a lot of things kind of streamlined from that um, that you see kind of playing out in our culture today. Uh, so it's just a, it's just a wild tectonic shift in sort of our 
religious makeup of this country, which is pretty wild for a country that has has had such sort of a raucous relationship with religion. And I think that's the key. There is it there's there it is a shift and we need to put it in context. It's not all, you know, sell the farm, move away kind of kind of emergency. Um, but I, I think it is important to know that, hey, we are living in a different era, a different time, or at least the beginning of, of one that could happen. Now let's let's talk about some definitions. Okay. So when you hear this, the rise of nuns, we're talking about N O N E S. Not N U N S. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and they categorize them a little bit differently. So whenever you hear this in, in the media and they and and you're going to hear if you haven't heard this word before or this or the the reference to it, you will certainly in the future. They categorize it a little bit differently. So they they lump together all atheists, agnostics, the spiritual, and those who don't identify with any specific religion. So we're talking about those who, who don't identify with um, organized religion, right? So I know sometimes that that's kind of a shocker to people because we know people who, uh, in our own lives, that are, are, are not, what's the way to, great way to put this, they don't identify with a particular institutionalized religion. They consider themselves spiritual. They're great people. Um, I know agnostics and atheists, there, there's some good people out there. We're not trying to uh, make some kind of moral statement against them, but there is some there is differences um, in how how this comes about, and I think there's some there's some interesting consequences, good or bad, uh, that happen. Now, there is this is the most interesting part about it. There's some good news. One, and this is the, this is important to keep in mind. Collectively, those who identify with some religion in America still greatly outnumber those with no religion. So let's just keep that in mind, right? So, so that 23%, it's the first time that, that the nuns have, have out, uh, outpolled any particular religion, right? So they, remember, it's kind of like, um, I know we don't want to talk about politics in this, in this episode yet, but it's kind of like when they say independents in a particular state outpoll any other, uh, those who identify as Republican or Democrat. That's, that's true, but let's remember independents don't organize. They don't caucus. <laughs> Right, so it's a little bit different, but they do have a uh, kind of synergistic uh, influence on others. Now, I told you some of the good news. Here's the bad news, though. Last year, the American Family Survey, which is also a survey that's been going on for a really long time, uh, found that millennials and, and Gen Xers, their most common religion or most common identification is no religion. So 44% identify as nuns uh, between the ages of 18 to 29. That is to, that's, if you're looking at anybody that 18 to 29 today, 44% identified nuns. And then 43% between the ages of 30 and 44 years old in America identify as nuns. Uh, I think this will be interesting for us to kind of think about, and maybe our listeners can think about this too. I have been reading a lot lately and hearing a lot about sort of the um, the polarization of America, where and on all kinds of lines, right? Whether that's political, so you know Republicans are uh, associating only with Republicans, Democrats only with Democrats. Those differences are becoming geographical now. So a lot of the more conservative Republican voting people are moving through the middle of the country, while the um, more liberal leaning, progressive, Democrat voting um, folks are moving to the coasts. And I had I just recently finished Arthur Brooks's Love Your Enemies. Oh, wonderful. Uh, great book. And uh, I've been doing kind of a lot of self-reflection after reading that about 
who do I associate with? One thing that he really warns people against is sort of accidentally creating echo chambers where you realize that your social media feeds, your uh, friend groups, even where you live, everything starts to kind of channel where you're not ever interacting with anybody differently than you. And when I read that statistic, I realized that maybe I do have sort of a, you know, and I've tried to, you know, try to cultivate, you know, differences and, you know, I've tried to live in ur more urban areas and in cities. I've also lived in the suburbs. I've channeled my, I've tried to rechannel my social media feed. So I'm at least getting some difference, differences of opinions and sort of things. One thing, if I read that statistic, 44% of people in my age group identify with no religion. You know, if you are in a perfect sort of example of your community and you're friends with people that are around you and associate with you, you know, a little less than half of your friends probably identify as no religion. That's definitely not the case with my friends. You know, like an overwhelmingly, like somewhere like 95, 99% of my friends identify with some sort of institutionalized church. Right. Even probably more sort of condemning for me is that, you know, of that percentage, you know, 95 to 99% of that probably identify with some sort of along the spectrum of the Christian churches, right? Catholic to Protestant, you know, all kinds of things. And so when I look at that statistic, I go, man, I maybe I am not really plugged into and interested in sort of um, being part of my community and reaching out to people because I'm certainly, I certainly don't have 44% of my friend group who are identified with no religion. Is that the case with you too? Well, and I, I was about to get into that. I think, you know, the average person uh, probably thinks the same way. I mean, it, it's, it's an interesting uh, thought experiment that you expressed because, yeah, I mean, <laughs> more than half of my friends being identified or a little less than half of my friends identifying as as uh, not religious or or at least uh, uh, identify with as the nuns that's not me at all and I wonder if it would be interesting just to kind of do like a quick you know survey of of just people I know or you know and which is which is a little bit I mean you're 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 pulling your own echo chamber so it doesn't really work but I wonder how that how that could be true for almost anybody because we've, we've heard the saying you know or the adage uh, birds of a feather flock together. It's almost natural, right? But you're right. We do need to be able to branch out, make sure you know we understand the perspectives and opinions and and the thoughts of everybody around us. And in a world like today, with social media and kind of the information age, we almost kind of just we can pick, we can pick and choose kind of from the smorgasbord of of culture today, and we don't have to worry about it. I mean, if I don't want to talk to anybody here in D.C. I can just call my friends back back west, right? Go. I can I can feel like I'm part of a community, with air quotes. I can feel like I'm part of a community, uh, just by picking and choosing who I want to interact with on social media. So that's it is different, and that can definitely have an effect on you. Yeah, and you're exactly right. Where when you say that uh, birds of a feather flock together, like yeah, if you are a active member of your church community, or you went to a religious school yeah like odds are a high percentage of your friends and the, those closest to you are going to identify along those same lines however like if it's so drastic where you don't know a single person yeah you know you've you know you've moved to a more secular or let's say let's use the word liberal 
uh, city and you don't know a single person in your entire neighborhood or community that isn't religious. You know, the statistics say that you are not reaching many of those people. And as if you are like me and identify in uh, and come from a Christian context, that probably means that you are not living up to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. So <laughs> that's very that's very condemning and damning on me um, and sort of my evangelistic duty as a Christian. So um, that's kind of what, when I looked at the statistics, that's kind of what I saw. One thing that I kind of want to dive into now is uh, the author of this piece writes, it's, she has this great line, it's not clear why there has been a shift. Um, and then she kind of throws out some different answers that she might have for why religiosity in this country is going down, specifically in the Christian context. She lists the scandals in the Catholic Church. Uh, she lists faith leaders, this is a quote, faith leaders who have morphed into political lobbyists, culture warriors, and partisan cheerleaders who have neglected their core role. She also says that young people look upon religious sects as akin to political parties or political action committees with which they choose not to affiliate. I kind of wanted to break that down and and because I don't think there is a I don't think there necessarily is a clear cut. This is why we've gone from very religious, you know, high percentages of people polling that they are, have some sort of religion to the complete opposite. Um, I don't think that there is a there is a one answer, you know, solution. I think that there's a lot of different um, reasons, some more compelling than others. But I figured it'd be fun to kind of just sit here and talk about that as we kind of set yeah. the stage for the season. Um, and we'll dive more in depth into some of these things. I think it's political. I think it's cultural. I think it's um, generational. And we'll kind of we'll kind of talk about all those kind of things more in depth in each episode. But I think for right now, it'd be fun to kind of just go over sort of all these different um, sort of answers that have been thrown out there um, and kind of weigh their merits against each other. Right. Um, I find sort of the the first thing that she lists, the scandals of the Catholic Church. Um, that gets thrown out a lot, I think, by you hear it a lot by pundits on the news. Interestingly, people who are not part of the Catholic Church use that a lot to say kind of, well, this is why people aren't going to church because look at the horrible things, you know, and abuses of the Catholic Church. But if you look at the polls, you know, evangelicals are, are breaking away from their church at much higher rates than Catholics are breaking away right. from their church. So if, if the Catholic Church scandal was such, you know, this driving force, I think you would see more Catholics disassociating. But that's that's actually not the case that I we're seeing in statistics, nor is it the case that I'm seeing in real life with my Catholic friends. And I'd be interested to hear your thoughts about this. I have a lot of Catholic friends who the church scandal has been a case where they have been able to sort of embrace that like reformation spirit of saying we need to root this evil out and get right. rid of it so that we can become a more perfect church and and better represent the body of Christ. Yeah, it gives them a chance to kind of be self-reflective and 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 then move forward. I I I'm thinking quickly in my head of some of my Catholic friends that have talked to me about this and it's not anything some sure some of them you know have stepped away from certain I don't know, dioceses or certain groups, but they, but then they always go back. So I don't, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a driving force for that particular uh, sect, but I, uh, it seems to be 
I think it's different for each person though. That, and that's the hard that's the hardest thing about all this is that because religion is such a deeply personal part of somebody's life, it's for some people something's going to affect them a lot more than it would for others and vice versa. And that just seems to be it's one of those things that's hard when it comes to statistics because we love to just say, "Oh, aha, that's it." <laughs> but that doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. And I remember right after the Catholic Church scandal broke, the big stuff that broke kind of last year, I think immediately after that, there was a break in sort of a, someone broke a story about a similar case going on in the Southern Baptist Church. And no one really latched onto that as a reason why people were leaving, you know, the Baptist Church at huge rates, because they're not. I I think that people who are, and this is going to sound sort of vengeful or something like that. I don't want it to come across that way, but this is what I hear when I hear these pundits. You know, I hear a lot of pundits who aren't religious. They don't have any sort of, they don't come from any sort of religious context. And they, they kind of like to latch on to those cases where the church is involved in, in abuse or scandal as if the church has not always <laughs> struggled with those sort of, yeah, it's full of those sort of problems. Yeah. And I think that as somebody who is part of a church that has its own sort of black spots on it and uh, cases where we weren't so proud of what was going on and we tried to reform it and make it better, I, I look at what's going on in the Catholic Church, what's going on in the Southern Baptist Church and say, you know, this is what's been going on with the church since its founding. Like, there's always been cases where things were not going right, they were a, they were a stain on the church and someone had to come in and, and reform it. And that goes all the way back to Paul. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a natural thing of a of a very ordained institution by God that is that is operated by fallen human beings. So I I don't find sort of the scandals or the uh, abuses of churches to be the driving force of why young people are leaving. I think it has a lot more to do with the political contexts that we've seen, and we'll get more into this in a later episode, but I think it the religious right and sort mm-hmm. of that breakout um, in, in sort of the, the in the last half of of the century, I think that has a lot more to do with where we're seeing young people uh, falling out. And I have a theory, and I want to bounce it off you. Okay, let's hear it. I think that a lot of the decline in religiosity amongst young people has to do with our sort of morphed idea of the separation of church and state. Hmm. Okay. Expound. So I, I, I'm going to put two articles in the show notes um, so you can kind of see the two different arguments. There are two different sides who are arguing two different definitions of church and state. So when I say church and state, what do you think of? Uh, Separation of church and state. What do you think? So of? I, I immediately think of like, like King Henry VIII, you know, from England, and he uses the power of, of the church to pretty much control the the people, right? As yeah. the king, so. right? And so when so with that in mind, the founders come to America, and they set up our constitution, um, and they put a lot of these checks to kind of build this wall between church and state. One of them being that there's no religious test for offices, right? But from the founding, I think that there is a very clear definition of what separation of church and state. I think that the the founders were primarily concerned with the state 
influencing the church, not the other way around. Right. I think that they were more concerned about the state restricting the rights and liberties of religious people to associate and have their religious convictions. Okay. That is not the same sort of conversation and debate that we are having today. Right. I think that for many people who don't come from a conservative viewpoint, they think of separation of church and state, and they think, well, the point of the of separation of church and state is so that the church can't influence state or the public sphere. And to take that even farther, I think it just becomes, unfortunately, even if somebody comes from just like a, let's say a neutral or like a moderate background, that's their default idea on what the separation of church and state is. Every time one of my associates, we won't call them friends at the time, but they call it, they, uh, they say, oh, separation of church and state's in the Constitution. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's make sure we understand what we're talking about here. Well, there's a, there is a, in the Constitution, there is a, if you want to call it a separation, but what it is is that the founders are very concerned about the state dictating to its to the people who are working in the in the administration, who are working in government, they are concerned with the state imposing some sort of religious yeah. standard on them, right. right? Which is literally what we see in confirmation hearings today. Yeah. Think about I think of when uh, Amy Comey Barrett was up for a nomination, and I think wasn't it Senator Feinstein who Senator said Feinstein. the dogma lives loudly within you, and <laughs> and basically arguing that her Catholic faith disqualified her from public service. You saw the same thing with, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, but the, the, or the nominee who was a member of the Knights of Columbus. Yep. And they were, I think somebody compared them basically to a, like a white nationalist group, which is just insane. Yeah. Um, and they do it, the, these politicians are doing it so blatantly. Like it, this is not some private, you know, behind the doors hearing. This is, it's recorded. You can go and find, you can go and find the video of them saying that. And, and it's just amazing that they, especially Senator Feinstein, she's been in the Senate for who knows how long now, and and yet she's just so blatantly wants to disqualify a candidate because of her religion, and and I don't know that's, I I, I hope that doesn't like get anybody's like dander up so much that they want to go burn down the system, but that kind of makes me mad because religion has been such a great foster for Western civilization and for american american society in general right and she's just trying to throw it all out the door uh, kudos to actually democratic presidential nominee tulsi gabbard she wrote a great op-ed after after that hearing basically saying we are imposing religious tests on people and that is against the constitution and so i remember senator ben sass came out and said hey yay somebody is saying constitution stuff <laughs> uh so so kind of building on from that. So that's kind of the, the groundwork. So we have this we have this debate amongst two warring sides about what the separation of church and state means. Now, there is a very clear winner in that argument today, in today's culture, and it's that religion, faith, has scripture, religious text, has zero bearing in public life. You cannot bring that stuff here. And that was very, that was adamantly clear to me after and, and and I don't agree with the way that it was done and I, I disagree with the the context but I'm do you remember when uh, Attorney General at the time Jeff Sessions came out and basically argued that Romans 
Oh, right. Yeah. Defended his position that for immigration policy. Right. Now, there's a whole separate argument to be made there about right. what is and within a Christian context or a religious context. What does your religious belief speak into immigration or even just treating how to treat the foreigner or the, the immigrant? That, that's a whole separate conversation. But that wasn't what happened. What people were upset about was how dare a public official advocate his support for a policy using scripture. That has no place here. And to me, the reason why so many young people are falling away from religion is that sort of the the culture, the people who are shaping the culture, whether that's politicians, Hollywood, business, whatever, have all made it very clear. Religion is something that you do privately and on Sundays in your house of worship. And if you want to do it in your home too, that's fine. I, that idea will not work with a religion, especially like Christianity, that is an entire worldview on how it affects on how, every, how you view every single thing and how you interact with everything. And there's too much tension there for that to give out. And when it comes when it comes down to it, people who are weak in their faith or or don't quite understand what it's about, they're going to feel that pressure and they're going to say, "Okay, I'm going to submit and religion will be something I do on the su- on Sundays and and doesn't matter, and then the rest of the time I'll I'll steer away from it." And you can only do that for so long until you one of them gives. According to the statistics, it's been faith that's been giving. Yeah. And and let's be I I what you went through right there is is perfect, and we'll and we'll talk and get into uh, a little bit of politics in later episodes. But let's be like let's be clear and let's think about this: the Obamacare individual mandate as a society. Okay, we can't put this off on anybody else, whether you agree with Obamacare or not. But as a society, we almost made Catholic nuns, I believe, in Missouri or Kansas, buy contraceptives. That they were morally and theologically opposed to. Yeah, we were that we were that close to making to forcing Catholic nuns by contraceptives um, that they're against, and that that's just as a society we almost did that, and and that's the that is the state of kind of the situation, and of course it's a conglomerate. There's there's culture involved in this. There's the American Church, uh, and there's politics, and. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of get into this season because there's a lot to talk about. Um, but that's just kind of a little taste tester. I think that it's also we can kind of spend the last I think spend the last few minutes here talking about what happened earlier this week with the the Notre Dame fire because I think a lot of what we're talking about you sort of saw it manifesting itself on social media and in the news about the fire. And there has been a lot of these sort of conversations, all be you know, although sort of masked and disguised. Um, but I think exactly what we're talking about has been kind of unfolding in front of us with the takes, the hot takes, and the you know the thirty-second news clips of what happened in Paris this earlier this week. And you see two sides who are kind of speaking past each other because there's just there's no sort of common understanding of of what's going on and I think what was perfectly what perfectly exemplified this was did you see that insane Rolling Stones piece about 
the the bidding for the new architect. No, I didn't see it. So I'll, I'll post it in the show notes. So basically, the Rolling Stone went out and interviewed all these people, and basically they were like, I, 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 it was one person who said, actually, you know, the, the cathedral burning down is almost liberating because it's been this, like, shadow overlooking Paris of, like, its remembery of its dead weight in, you know, before enlightened secular times. And so they were talking about how they're, they look forward to seeing what a new architect can kind of give a modern flair onto the Notre Dame Cathedral. And if if that's your understanding, then you can't see the sort of overall context of what makes the cathedral important, right? Like you saw a lot of people saying, "What a what a horrible loss to Western art and architecture," right. or you know, it's a symbol of of uh, Western civilization and it's gone. And I kept hearing that, and my like, I just in my mind, I just kept going. The reason why Notre Dame Cathedral <laughs> exists and is important is as a religious house of worship, specifically for Christianity. That's why it's important. That's why it was built. That's why it's there. And so many people just being like disregarding that part of its history to me is a perfect example of how, oh, yeah, well, that's what they do on Sundays there. You know, and at, you know, between these times and these times on these dates. But like, for the most part, it's just a it's just a piece of it's just a building, and it you know it symbolizes this and this and this. Yeah, and I mean even like just ask yourself like think back. Okay, when when you first heard that the cathedral was on fire, the next like sentence that came out of an anchor's mouth was, "Oh, this is a long-standing symbol of 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 the French, you know, and and it it you know it has towered over over Paris for you know what what is it, like eight hundred years." And that's all they could say. Yeah. Well, a lot of it come, came from uh, people, you know, had to do this kind of, yeah, but remember all the horrible atrocities that the French church yeah. committed? You know, a lot, I saw a lot of people on Twitter, and I don't I don't follow him. I don't listen to his podcast, and but I saw a lot of people on the liberal side going after Ben Shapiro for how dare you defend this church after all the horrible anti-Semitic atrocities that the French church committed against Jews in, in, in its history. And again, like we're, we're coming from completely different contexts. Right. And this is what I'll get into when we talk about sort of faith and religion in Hollywood. But there's another element. I, I think a lot of it has to do with this idea of separation of church and state and how we've comp- compartmentalized faith from other things instead of looking at it as a comprehensive worldview. I think another element of this is sort of the rise in identity politics Mm. and victimhood status where, you know, we have to be against sort of white Christianity because it's the majority culture and it's only there because it's committed injustice. It's only there because it's committed injustices historically. And so we have to tear it down and there can be no sort of restoration. It's got to be a you know, this is what the whole architecture thing, right? Like, it can't be a restoration. It's got to be a complete reimagination of mm. of this. And we've got to make sure that it represents this minority and that minority and, you know, these kind of things. Um, and I think that we're, we're seeing a lot of that play out with sort of these conversations about the cathedral. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. This is going to, we're going to have a lot of thoughts. Uh, I, 
I know that the hardest part about uh, this topic is that it's just so broad. It's so um, it's so personal and it's so it's so consequential. I guess that's the best way to put it. And and like you said, there's uh, a lot of different aspects of it and a lot of different forces uh, coming from politics to culture to I guess just a lot of individual decisions. Um, but we're excited to get started. Yeah, it's going to be a fun season. We will kind of break down uh, the different episodes uh, later and kind of tell you what we're going to be talking about. Um, one thing that you might want to get ready for is we will be covering at least a couple episodes of Tim Carney's new book, Alienated America, because I think it talks a lot about sort of the social isolation, especially when churches start going away. Um, so you might want to go ahead and order that so you can follow us when we do that episode. But yeah, this is I think it's going to be a fun season. I'm really excited for it. Uh, so you can... Hopefully you follow us through the season. Leave us comments and uh, questions on our pages. Yes, We're on. Please, yeah. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Um, so you can listen to us anywhere there, and then write a comment or, or write a question in the comment section. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. I'm at rd hassler. I'm at wjosh underscore lee. And thank you for listening to Generally Cultured, and we'll see you next time.